All right, good morning. Good to see you today. Glad you're here this morning. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad you're with us. And if you're here in person, I'm really glad you're here. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high and our ushers will put the Word of God in your hand. Again, you get the Word of God in you and God will get in you. So once you get a Bible, if you need a Bible, get your hand up. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy 9. And so here we are at the end of a year. We get ready to exit one year and enter another year. Uh, throughout the month of December, the Lord will give me little nuggets on next year. I, I believe 2024 will be a year that there'll be a lot of kingdom doors will open. Now, they won't open by chance or by accident. They'll open when you fight. It's going to be a year you're going to have to fight, and I mean fight spiritually. You're going to have to fight, and you're going to have to fight, and you're going to have to continue to fight. I believe also that it's a year that many people within the body of Christ, we want affirmation without association. We want God to affirm us, but I don't want to associate with God. In other words, I want God's blessings, I just don't want to serve God. And so I believe this next year the Lord is going to begin to really raise the bar. He's going to raise the bar in huge ways for every one of us. And so, you know, Evan even talked about setting New Year's resolution. I believe one of the greatest things is Father God grace me. Grace me to live for you. Grace me to fight the good fight of faith. So with those lines, it's going to look a little different. Usually here on this service, I, I speak entirely about fasting. And I'm going to speak just a tad at the end on fasting. I'll speak more on that next week. I believe strongly in prayer and fasting. And so I hope that rubs off on you. But the Lord began to impress me with some scriptures, you know, in the month of December. And I believe every one of us in here, we have things that become embedded within our hearts and ingrained in us that sometimes aren't healthy. And, and when that happens, it changes my identity, who God says I am. And so I start living by names or labels that not what God intended for me to have. And I believe every one of us have certain things that have been ingrained in us that God has a desire to break those. So we begin here in Deuteronomy chapter 9. I wish I had time to tell you how this, this passage came across. It was incredible. And so Deuteronomy 9 verse 1, it says, Hear, O Israel. You are to cross over the Jordan today. Today. Now, it's interesting. The Bible highlights the word today. I believe 2024 will be a year that you must make your today's count. Yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here. All I have is a today. And he highlights here today. Make my today's count. And go in to dispossess nations. Now, notice he says nations, plural. Nations that are greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven. Now, it's interesting, the words that Moses uses right here, he's saying these are great nations, these are mighty nations. And so in that right there, he reveals immediately, you're in for a fight, you're in for a battle, but yet he said, go in and dispossess them. Get rid of them. Verse 2. A people. So now we've gone from a nation to a people. A people that are great and tall. 
the descendants of the Anakim, the Anakites. Now listen to what he says about the Anakites. Whom you know, whom you know about, whom you've heard about, whom have tormented you, whom have frustrated you, and of whom you have said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? And so I believe this is passed down from generation to generation. Something about the, An the Anakites had them in fear and torment. And it's interesting, he said, the question, who can stand against the Anakites? And so you may ask, who are the Anakites? Well, the nation of Israel had a long, long history with the Anakites. You find them in the book of, of Numbers chapter 13 when the Israelites were go to the promised land. This is who this was. And then if you go back further in scriptures to Genesis chapter 6, you'll find them again. So I wonder if the, the topic of conversation with, a, with many of the Israelites in their homes was how bad the Anakites were. How they've dominated us. How they've tormented us. But it's interesting that Moses challenges them and says, it's a new day. Now, to answer the question, who can stand before the descendants of the Anakites, look at verse 3. Therefore, understand today. Moses says, be assured today that the Lord your God, he is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said. So to answer your question, Moses said, God is the one. God will do it. And I believe he's very clear on this right here. And so we begin to see something here. This takes place by the grace of God. Regardless of your past. Re regardless of your hangups and your fears. Because when the Anakites begin to dominate us, they become our present identity. So with that statement right there, right now. Is there something in your life that has tried to mold and shape your identity other than God? God wants to move in our lives. And so it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are forgivable. You are changeable. You are capable. And you are moldable. That's the grace of God. And if you say right now, no, that's not me. You're not talking to me. I, I am talking to you because if you say that, you're not talking to me. You're telling me that you don't believe that God is big enough to change your circumstances. I believe God is big enough. I believe this is God's desire for us right now. So every one of us in here, we have some type of a giant and ain't a kite in my life that has tried to dominate me. It doesn't matter if it's the Anakites, the Jebusites, the Lustites, the Mosquito Bites, it doesn't matter what it is. God wants to set you free. He wants to help us in this. So go with me in the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
Ooh, I, I like that, man. I, I have meditated on that passage and I've sat on it and I begin to determine it in my life right now that there's some giants in my life that they've been involved in my life for too long. And even with Moses, it's like he was telling them, you fellas, are, you're putting up with a lot more than you should. And so I believe this is for 2024. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. What's interesting in the subtitle above chapter 10 here in verse 1, it literally says the spiritual war. We're in spiritual wars, Okay. Verse one, now I, Paul, he's addressing an issue, myself in pleading, I am personally appealing with you. How's he appealing? Now listen, by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Now he's coming not by his might or his power, he's coming by Jesus, who in his presence I am lowly, I am timid among you, but being absent, I am bold toward you. But I beg you, I plead that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence which, which I intend to be bold against some who think of us if we walked according to the flesh. Now he tells them, he says, I'm getting ready to get bold. And I'm getting ready to confront you pertaining to some things in your life pertaining to your flesh. And so when you see the word flesh here, he's talking about our, our human motives, this natural man that many times has dominated us. Verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, Paul right here, he admits that we are mortal. We, we are living in the present realities of this world, but he does not war or fight with mere human weapons. Now you're going to begin to see this right here, that when we talk that we're in a fight, we're in a war, it's not with flesh. But he doesn't deny that we're in a war. You're in a war. Now the closer we get to the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the more everything is funneling. Things are getting stronger and stronger. And I'm just telling you, when you read this, you'll find out the world is coming after you. I'm not exempt from the things of the world. So what, what can we do? Well, let's keep listening here what the Apostle Paul says. For the weapons of our warfare. Now, if you'll notice there, he doesn't deny we have weapons. For the weapons of our warfare of not carnal. They're not of my flesh. They're not gripping my fist and beating someone up. That's not our weapons, okay? But he does say they are mighty in God. They are mighty in God. Four main weapons. I'm going to give you real quick, okay? Number one, you need to be a man and a woman of prayer. You got to pray just to make it today. I got, I got to pray. The weapon of that is found in Ephesians 6 verse 18, which says you will pray in your understanding and you'll pray in the spirit. Make prayer part of your, your daily life. And if you've never had a desire to pray, ask God to grace you. Number two, the second weapon is the word of God. 
If you went back and you looked in Matthew 4, when the devil tempted the Lord Jesus, three times he spoke the word to him. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. The scriptural reference on that is Ephesians 6, 17, which says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Some of you got to get the word of God and act like it's a sword. And every time you swing that, you speak the word of God out of your mouth. Watch what will begin to happen. The third area is the Holy Spirit. According to uh, Acts 1.8, you don't have power unless you got the Holy Spirit. I welcome the Holy Spirit. The prophet Zechariah said it's not by might nor by power, it's by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no power. Not good. The fourth area, the name of Jesus. Colossians 3, 17. Everything we do in word and deed, we do in the name of Jesus. I believe these are some of the weapons that God really is highlighting in our lives. There's a bunch more. Just go to Ephesians 6. Start reading in verses 10. Go through verse 10 through 18. And you'll see what the armor is. But he says there are weapons. And if you'll notice, he said, they are mighty in God. They're not weak in God. They're mighty in God. And they're mighty in God for what? For pulling down strongholds. What's a stronghold? Anything in your life and my life that opposes the will of God. And it's interesting, he said, for pulling them down. What pulls them down? Got to use these weapons. So the definition in the Greek of a stronghold is something that fortifies. Something that locks you up. Something that imprisons you. So let me ask you something. Is there some stronghold in your life? And I think one thing that'll help you with a stronghold, it's like there's something in this life that has got me in a headlock. Is there something in your life that's a stronghold? That dominates you. That you look and you say, this has happened year after year. It seems like I'm stuck in this area of my life. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, when you begin to read what he's talking here, Paul refers specifically to warfare in the mind. There's stuff that's going to come against your mind. And he goes on to say, against arrogant, rebellious ideas and attitudes, which he terms arguments. Then he says, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's a form of pride. And so the aim is to bring every disobedient thought into the obedience to Christ. And so there's this warfare in our mind. Day by day that goes after us. And so the word obedience here has the meaning to assent. Compliant submission to the things that God tells us to. So every stronghold that he's talked about is first established by a lie. We start believing a lie. A lie about me. 
And so it's interesting right here that he talks about pulling down these strongholds. And how did he end that? He said, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does that literally mean? Well, the Lord Jesus said in John 8, he said, he'll set people free. John 8, 36. The Lord Jesus still sets people free. But if you back up and read in verses 31 and 32, he said that people that abide in the word. To abide in the word means I live in the word. Day by day. I camp out in the word day by day. When I live and remain by the word of God day by day, in John 8, 32 says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when you go back and you look what the apostle Paul's talking about here, in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be molded and shaped by the world, but be transformed. How am I transformed? I got to renew my mind to the word of God. You know what that means? You're going to have to be a student of the word of God. You got to get in the word day by day by day by day. You feed your faith and you starve your doubts. And so the issue that I believe takes place with many of us is one, I don't know the word. Or number two, I know the word, I just don't use the word. See, I believe the Lord's going to elevate us. You got you to know the word and you got to use the word. Now, when you begin to look at everything he's talking about, he used words there. He said that all these things will come against the knowledge of God. You know, one of the lowest levels of knowledge is ignorance. Ignorance is a form of knowledge, not a good one. I don't want to be ignorant to the things of God. And so you start hanging out with God. You start associating with God. You start spending time at the feet of Jesus. You start time, getting time in the word. You start being a man and woman of prayer. I, I challenge you. I double dog dare you. To begin with 2024 and start speaking scripture over your life. I mean start finding things. Put bullets in the gun on. Just begin to fire the word of God. Let me briefly share a couple things. The Lord has really impressed on me. I mean, incredibly, just kind of sits on me. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. It says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I begin to pray that. I just wake up in the mornings and I'll say, Father God, I pray today. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here on earth as it is in heaven. In my life. I welcome your will be done in my marriage. I welcome your will be done in my home. And so when you begin to pray those things. You're actually giving the Lord permission. To actually do his desire. A second area the Lord has downloaded on me in a huge way. Is the anointing. Nothing happens without the anointing. The anointing is the touch of God. I welcome God's anointing. Anoint me. Anoint me to be a man of prayer. Anoint me with the things of heaven. Where is the anointing found? Well, the Lord said in Acts 10.38, pertaining to the Lord Jesus, he said, 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. So if the Lord Jesus needed the anointing, what about me and you? And it's a simple prayer. Lord, I welcome your anointing. I welcome your anointing. Do you know every one of us in this sanctuary right now? We have titles. Every one of us in here have titles. A man or a woman of God. I need an anointing, Lord, to be a man of God. I don't want to get in the current of the world. I need anointing as a, as a, as a husband. Anybody in here as a man, do you got this husband thing figured out? If you do, I need you to lay hands on me, okay? I've been married 43 years and I still don't got this husband thing figured out. I don't mean that ugly, okay? How many of you are a daddy right now and sometimes a mommy and you look and say, I'm in over my head. I got about a half a nostril from going under, Lord. I need your anointing as a mom, as a dad. See, it's over and over and over and over. Every one of us have titles. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So as you're turning to Romans 6, I'm going to highlight two things we've already talked about. The Anakites, they've dominated us. And strongholds. You know what's interesting about those, both those topics right there is none of us are exempt from either one of them. So now we hit a third one today. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Apostle Paul says, what shall we say then? What do we do then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Some claim here that it's by sinning that we're providing God an opportunity to display the greatness of his grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Okay? So off of verse 1, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now listen to how Paul answers this. Verse 2. Certainly not. What a terrible thought. Nonsense. Of course not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So the idea of a Christian to continue sinning is entirely contrary to the gospel. Why? Sin is hateful and sin is destructive. Where's that found? That's Romans 6, 23. The wages, the compensants, the retribution of sin is death. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. I'll raise mine for you, okay? Just want you to think about this. How many of in here have ever been dominated by sin? You can raise it. That's me. I said I'll raise my hands. But when I read the Word of God, 
he highlights his grace. I believe God's grace is greater than my sin. Now the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, he says, your grace is sufficient in my weakness. So now we see this thing called sin show up. I'm a sinner, saved by grace through faith. Here's the difference with every one of us. That before I gave my heart to Jesus, all I knew to do was sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. But when I got born again, I'm just like you. Did all my sin immediately stop? No. But what I began to have happen in my life, things that used to didn't bother me to sin, they now bothered me. I knew something's not right here. I don't want to do this. And I may be highlighting your life right now. So we go into this new year. And maybe the Anakites have dominated you. Maybe strongholds have dominated Even sin has dominated you. That's not God's heart for any of us. Same chapter. Verse 14. Now watch this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. So what do I do with that? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not conquer me. Sin will not master me. Sin doesn't have to boss me around. Even long established sin. This is a Bible. What an incredible promise. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. So the grace of God is greater than the sin of my life. The grace of God is stronger than long, long, long established sin that's come down through my bloodline. Now I'm highlighting some things because in the upcoming weeks I'm going in these areas because I want to show you biblically we don't have to be dominated and I'm not preaching we're going to be perfect. But his grace is still sufficient. His his grace is still adequate. So just right here off of this, this statement. Are there things that have dominated you? Are you mastered by things? See, anything I become mastered by becomes my idol. And when we talk about an idol, an idol is anything that replaces God in my life. Now this is going to hurt, okay? Am I mastered by sin? Am I mastered by TV? Am I mastered by the lust of my eyes, the lust of my flesh? 
Am I mastered by TV? Here's a good one. Am I mastered by social media? Facebook, Texas. Now, I would be willing to bet something I've said has probably resonated within every one of us in here. And so when, when I, I read these things right here, do I continue to live this way year after year after year? And I allow these things to dominate me, even though I'm governed by grace. So here's your thought. You fill in the blank, okay? If you can't walk away from blank for one week, you're probably in bondage to that thing. So just for a minute, just stop. What's the one thing, two things? You may have a, a whole laundry list of them, but are there things in my life, in your life, that I can't get away from for one week? How about caffeine? Oh, pastor, don't go there. <laughs> you know why I highlight that one? Because that, that dude's on my agenda this week, coming up. How many of you have ever said this in your life? Man, I can't get going in a day unless I have a cup of coffee. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. No, pastor, don't go there. <laughs> See, just think about these things that we become so addictive to. How many of you could actually go without TV for one week? Bless you. Bless you. You guys are very further along than me. How many think you could go one week without your cell phone? We're out, Pastor. We're done. Don't bring that up. How about one week without getting on Facebook? See, you see hands going up, and so what I begin to see right here, every one of us, we're guilty of something that's dominated me. Now, why do I highlight that? Because we're getting ready to start a new year, and we're going we're to be a church that we're going to fast. The Lord Jesus said this in Matthew 17. He said, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. You know, fasting is a spiritual discipline Fasting is a form of worship that when it's done with the right motive, fasting says, I want to draw closer to you, Father God. Now, when I talk about fasting, I said I'm just going to give you a little bit because I'm going to go into a lot deeper next week. But when we talk about fasting, there's numerous ways to fast, okay? There's three-day fast, there's seven-day fast, there's 10-day fast, 21-day fast, 40-day fast. There's full fast where you only go through with, with water. There's partial fast, some call sunrise and sunset fast. There's a fast that's called the Daniel fast, which means all you eat is fruits and vegetables and water. 
Well, that's easy. You've never done that. Well, Pastor, I'm going to fast for 40 days this time. Have you ever fast for three days? No. Well, you're not going to make it a day. You're going to start having visions of Twinkies. What am I telling us? You got to do something, okay? And my, my encouragement to each one, you got to do something every year and try to do a little more this year than you did last year. But the sole purpose of saying, Father God, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to watch you move. And just maybe there's some anakites, maybe there's some strongholds, and maybe there's some sin in my life that God wants to break. Last passage this morning. Go with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I begin to see in the book of Isaiah chapter 58. It's, it's, it is liberating to see the things God desires to do for us as believers. When we fast and pray. That's next week. Don't miss it. I'm telling you, you'll see some of this take place. John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, and the sheep gate was the place where they held the animals that were going to be sacrificed. That's all that means. A pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, which is the place of outpouring, or Bethesda is also called the house of grace. I like it. How many in here could have a Bethesda moment? Man, I could admit, I welcome that. I just camp out at the house of grace. Having five porches, and in these five porches lay a great multitude, masses of people, and I want you to know when we go through here and look at these masses of people, they had different conditions, every one of them. Hmm. Sick folk, blind, lame, paralyzed. And they were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever, say whoever, whoever, Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever. So immediately you see something with the grace of God. The grace of God is good for whoever and whatever. Whoever, that's me and you, we're whoever's and whatever you're dealing with right now. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a deep-seated and lingering disorder. 38 years. 38 years is a long time. How many of you in here are not even 38? You're younger than that. I just had my 40th birthday, so I'm close now. 38 years. That's a long time. Especially when you're 15, you look at that, 38, man, they're old. 38 is old. 
Why do I highlight the 38? Been around a while. Kind of like the Anakites. Been around a long time. Kind of like a stronghold. Been around a long time. Kind of like sin. I know what it's like to be dominated by things in my life. I was dominated. I was dominated by a thing called alcohol for years of my life. But because of the grace of God, and we begin to swing the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, I got set free. I got set free. You stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God. When all you know to do, just stand. Stand. Speak the word. How long do I speak the word? Well, the Lord Jesus said, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Well, how long do I got to keep on knocking? Until it arrives. Don't give up. So this dude's dominated for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Duh. Why would Jesus say, do you want to be made well? But what would happen today if the master, the Lord Jesus, came in here and asked you the same question? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be set free? Do you want to get free from the Anakites? Do you want to get free from the strongholds? How would you answer? And when Jesus said that, you know what Jesus is desiring for that guy to do? Is to give him permission. You know what? You don't get saved unless you give Jesus permission to save you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And I believe many times in our life we have not because we ask not. So Jesus is looking for permission, but he's also telling him, I'm the God who takes what seems impossible and I still make it possible. And so when Jesus asked him the question, I wonder if Jesus is looking like, dude, just answer the question. But I believe here in verse number seven, this is what we run into. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Two things off that verse right there. You don't get set free as long as you live by excuses. And number two, his biggest problem is twice in that verse, he said, I, I. If you think you're going to get set free on I, you're never going to get set free. But when I begin to look to the master and I begin to call it, man, his grace will flow. I can't do nothing. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. But I know who can. So Jesus hears him. I don't mean this ugly, but Jesus hears all his nonsense. In verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And when I'm studying that verse right there, the Lord said in 2024, my desire is for the children of God to rise, to take up the bed, and walk. 
The things in their life that have kept them down, I desire that they rise. See, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever person. So when he says to him, rise, he's saying to me and you, rise. It's a year to get up. Get up. Wake up and quit acting up and rise. Get up. Get up. So the guy obeys. See, if, if the Lord Jesus came in here and said, he said to John, rise, rise, John, rise. And John looked at him and said, excuse me, Mr. Jesus. Did you not see how I got in here? But something happens when the Lord Jesus gives us permission. It's like his grace kicks in and something happens. So the guy rises. This is my last verse. Verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. The guy who just got healed, Jesus found him at the church. Get in the church in 2024, okay? Get in the house of God. In the house of God. Get around people of God. They're not perfect people in here. There are people that love God. You know, in the Proverbs, it says iron will sharpen iron. We need to be around godly folk. And Jesus said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Now, I don't know this for sure. But I wonder if this guy has past sin in his life that was unaddressed. And Jesus, don't go back. Don't go back to that. I've healed you. I've said, don't go back to that. So you know what I believe? He's telling you, you're going to have to fight. Because the world is fishing. They're going to try to reel you in. They're going to try to take you back to the things of this world. And some of you in 2024, you need to get away from the sinners that you once ran with. You need to get away from them. Because if you don't, you're going to go back to that. So, man, you, you got a smorgasbord of the things that God's desiring to do. And I'm going to ask you to stand up right here where you're at. So we're getting ready to jump to a new year. Just bow your head. And as you bow your head, here's, here's the desire that God's putting in here right now. When I begin to speak these things out, if that's you, I welcome you to come forward. Just come to the altar and say, I want to welcome God to move in my life, His grace this upcoming year. Just bow your head right there. If you feel comfortable, raise your hands here to heaven. Is there some Anakites in your life right now that have kept you in fear, kept you in bondage? Just beating you up year after year after year. Are you here today? And there's some strongholds in your life. And, and the illustration, man, they've had me in a headlock. If that's you, I welcome you say, things are going to change in 2024. 
Have you been dominated by sin? It's okay, guys. It's okay to admit that. We're all sinners. Some of us are just better sinners than the rest of you. Is there things in your life just like the lame man, the 38 years, where you say, Father God, I, I need a touch of heaven on my life right now. I have a desire that 2024 will be a year of difference like I've never seen before in my life. That when I get to the end of 2024, I can look in the rear view mirror of life and I can say, look what God did. Look what God did. See, we serve a God who's still in the business. He takes messes and makes miracles. He still does those things. And so as our team gets ready to, to worship here to lead us, these altars are open. I, I believe God's wanting to do some CPR on us, some open heart surgery. I believe God wants to breathe on us right here today. And when we leave here today, we leave and say, okay, Father God, here's what you're going to have to do. Repent of your sin and then give the Lord permission. Say, Father God, I welcome you to that. I welcome you to move in my life. Move. Move in my life. And so as they sing here right now, come on, jump in here. Let's, let's worship God. He's going to do something.